0: Welcome to the Open Door Cutting Room Floor Podcast, where we continue the conversation that started on Sunday to help you become more like Christ throughout the week. I'm your host, Clay Wright. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome back to the Cutting Room Floor Podcast. I am going to be your host this week. My name is Clay Wright, and I am joined by... Jason Russ, John Jacobs, Jordan Johnson... Charlie Miller. Yeah, man, we got another round table this week. I uh I remember when we did it last time. Um, I was like I've never had I've never hosted a conversation with this many people before. And I can say the same thing again today because we have uh one one bonus person cuz last last time uh we only had it was me and and three others and this time there's there's five of us. So, hmm. welcome guys. It's, I'm really excited for this. So the the you first thing here. I want to observe now, I, so I will say on the front end, uh, as we're getting back into the conversation that started at each of our campuses on Sunday in the text, um, I I wasn't able to hear Jason's sermon. Jason, do you want to bring us into why that might be? Sure. Um, a transformer blew in our neighborhood uh, near
1: our campus on Saturday. And so basically on Sunday morning early, had to make the call uh, and Discovered that there were some things, enough things working that we could pull off a service. So we had to pull chairs into another room um, and set up safely and get sound up for worship. And then, basically, you know, I just preached old school from the word with no PowerPoint or nothing and uh, and a microphone. And uh the great thing was I did have an object lesson, so it was that was perfect. At least I had something to point to. <laughs> and um so yeah, it 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 turned out great and uh God was good. So I'm a little bummed that it's not out there for everybody
0: to hear, but hopefully we'll get a I'll get a little gist today and and uh that'll be good. That's awesome, yeah. yeah. So uh because I didn't hear your sermon, I don't know for sure if you uh did what I'm about to talk about, but I know for all of the rest of you guys no, I don't know if you guys coordinated this or had a conversation beforehand, but to my memory, none of you read the genealogy.
2: Well, I did. So I read the, the <laughs> I read the first line and the bottom line. Same. So that's something I read Same. it in my heart. Clay. Really
0: well, and so in case people don't know what I'm talking about, we're in Luke chapter three uh, in the account of the baptism of Jesus, the inauguration into into his ministry. Uh, but also, then Luke gives us this long genealogy and starting in verse uh, 20, 23. 23. Yep. And so, yeah, did you, is that something you guys talked about beforehand or was that just total coincidence? But Jason, you said you read it. I did. I just said son of, and then I just went one name after another
1: all the way down through. Okay. I made a few jokes about some of the names. It was fun. Okay, gotcha. So, yeah.
0: But you didn't practice the names beforehand? Not, like at all. not at all, extensively. So Except added the humor, so.
3: Yeah, yeah. That's good. I think I said, just because just to just, just spare my own embarrassment, we're not going to read it. <laughs> like that.
1: yeah. yeah, that's right. Maybe the <laughs> real reason that mine wasn't
0: recorded. So. <laughs> yeah, I um I I find the, obviously we're reading a text that was written in a different time in a different culture, and that these names you know they're not they're not names that we're used to. Um, and yet like Jordan, there was something that you brought out in your sermon that, that like, there's no wasted space in scripture. That's right. Yeah. And so it's just so it's, but, it, but at the same time, like as students of the Bible, like I remember professors trying to like, they gave me the same advice that you talked about is, uh, like pretend that, you know, Fake it till you make it. Yeah. Just, yeah, just exactly. No one
3: knows. Yeah, yeah. No, cause
0: nobody knows yeah. how this stuff, well, I, some people do, but like Alan Schaefer probably knows how to pronounce <laughs> these words, but. That's beside the point. Anyway, so we, we are in Luke chapter three. And the, the first question I wanted to ask for us as we kind of think about it, because there's a lot of people that um, haven't heard how all of you preached the text through your personality and how, how God spoke through you guys on Sunday. So pretend like I don't know <laughs> what you said, even though I have listened to a lot of it uh, and just kind of bring us into where did God have you in the text? What was the concept of the sermon or what was the thing that you hope people took away and, uh, and, and how did God kind of bring you to that point either in the text or was there something going on? And maybe we could start over here just cause you're on my left, left of the deal. I, I think
3: I was, I was on your left last time. So I, I started first last time. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're, we're talking about this. We're in the series of uh, prep time, wrapping that up. So thinking about Jesus getting ready for ministry and what that looked like. And, uh, um, this is the first time we see Jesus as, as an adult in this, at least in this text, uh. The last time he was a kid and now all of a sudden here you know John the Baptist has been talking about Jesus a lot and all of a sudden here he is kind of showing up on the scene and showing up to be baptized among the people and uh, so for me that you know I, I spent a lot of my time I mean obviously I think a lot of us did in those first couple of verses talking about the baptism itself and what that signifies for Christ's identity and and I kind of went with it you know most of my talk was was t- was tied to our identity in Christ through Galatians 2.20 and then what that means, what's said of Jesus is then true of us as well. So that's kind of the, the route I went. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's all I got to say. Sweet. About that.
2: Yeah, I mean, one of the things you notice is that everyone touched on identity because uh, it's so just on top of the surface what the passage is. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And one of the things that I wanted to help people understand is that this is this is a continuing story. Like this is not a new concept. This is what scripture has been building towards. And we find like it's culmination in this moment, but this is like to have a good breadth of where we came from and where we're going. Uh, it was really important for me to communicate that, that concept too. Awesome. Mm -hmm.
4: Yeah. Um, I love this passage. I use it a lot. Just talking again about it. It's amazing how the things that we think are the things that define us mm-hmm. and, you know, constantly challenging people. You know, what, what do you think if God could look at you last week, mm-hmm. you know, what would he say to you? And almost without fail, people are like, oh my gosh, or last year. And, and it's such an interesting fact to, to see two times audibly the, the two times that God chooses to speak to human jesus it's to remind him you're my boy i love you i'm proud of you uh and then ironically the second time of them say hey and listen to him you know to to the guys with them but you know, over and over I'm, I'm challenging myself and people when you're in there you know who is god really? especially through jesus how is he being revealed and then who are we and of course in jesus we see both those things which is fascinating so Mm. yeah the same thing like sitting there how many of us in our life are looking back and and dealing with men a lot i'll say this you know i'll have 20 some year old guys be beating themselves up and here's jesus who we know nothing about who's 30 and and god's saying he's proud of him. you know um so it just fascinated me yeah wanting to to really challenge look at your life what would god what does he really want to say over you right now and uh, how can you identify with that so
3: yeah. Hmm.
1: yeah, for me, the genealogy was kind of key in that Luke places his um, in the gospel like a line. And, uh, and I, I kind of equated that to the Jordan River being a line in the life of Jesus, um, much like it was for the Israelites who crossed it once, once upon a time. And uh, so that's kind of the route I took with it was uh, Jesus had a past, Jesus had a present, and Jesus had a future. And just that incredible way of the incarnation, how Jesus entered time with us. So I, I pondered a lot about his humanity and the fact, as you look back on his past, his past included the genealogy and the and the people that were part of the promise, but also those very same people, people that were full of sin mm. and how Jesus came to redeem that now in this moment. And the big point I was trying to make was like, man, he could have turned away. He didn't have to go in that water. But he crossed the line, you know, and so that's a lot of where I went um, with uh, Jesus crossing through that line and and just making his way towards the cross. So
0: yeah, yeah, that's awesome. That's a that was one of my big takeaways from the, my time in Israel mm-hmm. is how easy it would have been for Jesus to escape into the wilderness. Mm-hmm. I didn't connect that with his baptism, but yeah, that's a huge that's a huge motif. That's awesome. Um, so another question I wanted to ask is. What was there anything that you guys were most excited to share on Sunday? Like was there was there a point in your sermon or something that maybe spoke to you personally that you were like, I'm I'm so glad that the Lord brought me to this point and I I really want people to 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 take this away from mm-hmm. from what I have going on. I guess we we don't have to go in order, so you guys can just go um, ahead. Yeah, I know for me, um
4: Again, knowing the passage, but also as I sat there with it, and again, thinking about human Jesus, you know, because I have found the struggle, at least with believers, is typically like, we can totally identify with the Jesus that can do anything, and Jesus has no problems, but it struck me, again, he's 30, you know, it it would look like on our level, like your life at this point really hasn't amounted to much, all the things that we value, you know, Um, and again, going, I guess... Realizing so much is humane in that moment, because why would God need to tell god that you're i 'm proud of what you 're doing i I love you you know so you, we begin to see like this this human guy this this man Jesus, needs to hear this it 's almost mm-hmm. like there has to be some wrestling like is this really after 30 years, this is all you're doing? Is me just getting in the water, you know? Is, is this really it? And so many people, I think, you know, again, looking at moms, looking at dads, looking at people just trying to grind it out. Like, you know, is there really worth and value in this and to see Jesus step into these seemingly – um kind of mundane things dirty or like almost even like, should I really even be here and how God's Mm. so proud of these moments. He's not saying anything. (laughs) He's not telling (laughs) people, by the way, this is what's happening, man. This is awesome. And he's just there. And I think for me, you know, even, you know, as a father and a husband, a brother, like those moments are so huge. Like we're always thinking about what life could be rather than like, this is the life God that you've given me. How can I find, you know, value in it and what you would see is important in what I'm doing. Um, and to see Jesus be so humble to do that, you know, sure. um, so for me, that was it. Try, I'm always trying to connect people back to that, that human Jesus in some way, because we struggle with that so much.
0: Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. One of my, one of my favorite points in, in your sermon, John was when, in, in one of my favorite points, maybe just because it was a perspective I just had never considered is you were kind of giving Jesus's resume up to that point and comparing it to like a, yeah. you know, what, what if a, there was a modern day 30 year old who this right. was true about them, mm-hmm. you know, and I, and you were like, you know, he maybe has done some work, but doesn't really have a business that we yeah. hear about. You know, he doesn't have, he doesn't have monetary success that we know about. He doesn't have close friends that we know about. He doesn't have a significant, like all these all the things. things. And I was like, worth value Oh my gosh. One. Yeah. Yeah, that's so interesting. I, you know, I just, yeah, that was that was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. Yeah, what about the rest of you guys? Anything, like, big stick out?
2: So one of the things that I really wanted to draw attention to was the importance of going through and searching the details and asking the obvious questions. No matter how familiar with the story you are, because when you look at Luke, it is radically different than the rest of the way the baptism you know there's a crowd there the dove has a bodily shape and all these is like why because we have to remember that that luke in his mind when he's recording this he has a mind i need to make this in a way that the people can understand what i'm talking about and that kind of gets lost on us in the modern world where we are so used to combining all the scriptures all the time which is not bad but at the same time if you practice constraint and you ask the seemingly obvious questions which may not feel obvious because all we should know better but but you can really see what luke is trying to communicate and and that kind of led everything to like uh the bird king was probably one of my favorite things because when i when i learned about that when i read about that i was going oh my gosh this is so important but no (laughs) one in the modern world can really feel the gravity of what Luke is trying to communicate.
0: And so, for people who might not know what the Bird King is, can you? And no, it's not a Netflix special. I that was, uh, Knight, yeah. know, <laughs> Michael Keaton, yeah,
2: yeah. exactly. Birdman, yeah, yeah, yeah. Birdman. Uh-huh. Oscar winning. Uh, uh, no, so so the bird king. It, it's pretty much describing in in the Roman Empire, which was the dominant culture. Everyone knew who it was. They, you know, in their iconography, they always have the eagle as their thing, and that dates back to how they chose emperors, how they made major decisions, and and they put a strong emphasis on observing the movements and patterns of birds, all of that dating back to the legends and myth of Romulus and Ramus, where the gods sent an eagle to land on Romulus's shoulder, declaring him the true and rightful king. And so when you look at the gospels, and, and Matthew and Mark also do this, they're playing off the same motif. They're subverting this um, inauguration story. They're telling the same thing that people have been familiar with, like oh yeah that's that's how the gods choose the rightful ruler but then they're using it a way to bring the focus and attention to Jesus in puzzling ways because there's nothing about Jesus that screams out majesty at least at that time um I'll I'll keep going so
0: I'm just going <laughs> to <laughs> No yeah yeah the I I loved your side comment that uh th- this practice of augury which is what you called it, mm-hmm. and it, it is uh is where we get our modern word inauguration, right? And then you said something like, "So let that sink in." You know, it's like, <laughs> I'm like "Yeah, yeah, yeah." No, yeah, absolutely. So, what about uh, the rest of you guys? What yes, do you think?
3: Um, one thing that you said when we were ta- we kind of met you and I and, and Clay uh, and chatted about some things, like because you you're like, I, you know, I have some ideas, some thoughts, and you know, it, it was a good reminder for me that like they didn't doubt that he was human because they saw him. They. It would be like us looking at, like me looking at you, Clay, and being like, wait, you're human? Like, of course I know you're human, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I, I see you eat, I see you, you know, talk, we, we interact. Mm-hmm. But for us, w- removed from the story, we forget that he was human mm-hmm. because we don't we don't see him, right? So in that story, for those people that time, the, the humanity of Jesus wasn't as important for them to, to grasp because they saw it with their eyes. It was his, his deity that was the most important. For them to grasp. Mm-hmm. Whereas for us, I think we, we, we speak so often about his deity, which is so true. I mean, he's God, and it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, But being reminded of his humanity, like you were saying, John, is so important in this story. For me, as I was working through it, there were some of the, the maybe peripheral things that, were, that stood out to me that were like really surprised me. One of the things that was really a little nugget, and I didn't sit on this for long, but as I was studying it, I was reminded that John came from the priestly line. -hmm. And um, he and he was of the priestly line of Aaron, and so it was the priest's job to present the sacrifice uh, of the people, Mm -hmm. you know, in the temple. And so when Jesus steps into the water for his baptism, in a sense, he's fulfilling that priestly role of presenting the sacrifice. Mm -hmm. That was like that moment for me was was a huge moment my own spiritual walk, Mm -hmm. uh, where it brought because I always wrestled with why why the baptism, because. Baptism is, is associated with salvation in, you know, in, in our Christian walk of you're saved. And then the next step in your discipleship journey is baptism to show, you know, the outward sign of that inward change. And so that's so then when you try to, to lump that with Jesus, well, Jesus wasn't regenerated. Jesus didn't need, you know, to repent of anything. Jesus mm-hmm. wasn't showing that he now identified with God. He was God. So why did he need to be baptized? And I wrestled with that. But I began to kind of understand a little bit more when I I made that that priestly connection with John, saying, here he is presenting the sacrifice. And then when he says in John, the book of John, when he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, that carries a whole new meaning for me. Mm -hmm. When when I understand it from that priestly perspective of here he is revealing and presenting the sacrifice uh, before the people to God. And that was was cool.
2: Absolutely. That was really neat.
1: Uh, I think the thing I would want to share is it came late in the game, you know, Sunday morning, I'm running around, um, uh, getting things ready and praying. And it dawned on me just how significant it was that Luke was the only one that mentioned that Jesus was praying Mm -hmm. and that that's what kicked off Mm. the sky opening. And so I really made a point of that because we've also, as a a campus, we've been in a season of prayer. Anybody that wanted to join me, been spending 40 days up to Easter um, daily praying. And um, and so that hit me. And then, of course, the night before, the day before, I did a funeral for a woman in our church, Mary Houston, who was a model of prayer for me in my life. And, uh, and so I, um, I, that hit me so hard that I almost felt like, we talk about inauguration, this moment in the life of Jesus was like the inauguration of, of uh, a look at his prayer life uh, that was to come and had been you know, again, past and present. He, he, it's not like he did nothing in the past 18 years from when he was 12. He had been communing with his father. He had mm-hmm. been going to the temple every time he could when he was in Jerusalem. And so now all of a sudden we get this picture of what does prayer look like when we truly take it seriously like Jesus did. It's the father speaking to us. It's the Holy Spirit coming to us. And mm-hmm. and that's exactly what I, you know, So that part really excited me. And it was uh, kind of a, a neat encouragement to me to just
0: go deeper. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's uh It's so interesting. I. The more I listened to all your guys' sermons, and the more that I looked at the text, I felt like there were so many more questions than answers in my in my heart. Like like it, you know, if somebody came up to me on the street and said, "Why was Jesus baptized?" Mm-hmm. You know, just give it give it to me in one sentence. Why was Jesus baptized? i I think there's a lot of i've heard a lot of compelling answers to that question if someone were to ask me um, was Luke trying to emphasize jesus divinity or his humanity I think you can answer on both sides of that right if 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 somebody asked you know why well, how how was it that the Holy Spirit had bodily form and what's going on with the Trinity in this passage again it's like okay well that's a that's a hard question to answer it's all these my, you know, mysteries maybe for lack of a better word that are you sit pretty close to the center of the faith you know we're talking about jesus's dual nature that the church has labored over since <laughs> since its beginning over the last two thousand years we're talking about the nature of the trinity which the church has labored over since its inception and we're talking about the mystery of Jesus beginning this redemptive thing that's happening you know he's he's inaugurating his ministry uh we know that in mark when he begins preaching he begins preaching about the good news of the kingdom and so he, like there's this <laughs> there's this inaugurative moment uh not to you know maybe to not to coin the phrase but uh there's this inauguration that's <laughs> happening and it's like there it's Honestly, there are there are times where even as a pastor, even as a guy who loves studying the Bible, I feel like it goes a little bit over my head. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't know if did you guys sense that? Like as you were studying it, all? I think it's so important.
4: Like at, at times, I have to wrestle with: Am I here? I, I heard someone say once: Jesus never said, "Understand me." <laughs> He said, "Follow me." It was so good. It was so helpful to me because, you know, we we strive as we should on some level. Okay, I want to understand as much as I can, but to be a true follower, there's just things that are absolutely, you know, I, I guess. It, it, I've likened this in a way to my relationship with my wife, you know, like mm. there's just things inherently like, I don't get it. I don't understand. Okay, <laughs> I can wipe my hands on this towel, but the one hanging over here, that's a decoration towel. I don't understand what makes that one special. And But I know her, mm-hmm. you know, I yeah. I know her. Um, And to me, there's a a difference between if I can understand something great, but man, I want to know the Father. I want to know Jesus. So I'm always wrestling with that too, Clay. Like am I standing up here trying to explain everything to people or am I trying to get lost in the story and in the wonder? To me, it's like that whole scene where he's like unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood and the whole crowd leaves and he doesn't go, hey, hold on. Just a metaphor. Come on back, guys. You know, He lets it happen. And even yeah. the guy sitting there, you know, and he's like, you know, do you guys want to leave too? And they're like, where, where else will we, we go? You know, you have the words of life. Like, we don't get it, Jesus, but right. we just know when you talk, and when we hear these things, something comes alive. And for me, that's the important thing when we're thinking about I've come that you can have life and life to the full. Maybe I can't always understand it, but something in me comes alive, you know? Yeah, I love the questions. And that's where I had to be like, okay, i got to shape this thing down to Johnny (laughs) J level, to SpongeBob
0: level here. And, uh, yeah, I'm with you. So, yeah, absolutely. And and I think, I, I guess, one of the things that I think would be cool is... If we could talk around some of those questions, it may, not not in an attempt to answer them, but in an attempt to say here's why here's why this is a good question. Um, you know why? In other words, what's the tension in this? Like, why why is this a hard question to answer? So, like, when we think about the question, why was Jesus baptized? Like, it, why is that a hard question to answer? And we we've already talked a little bit about that, but let's just let's dive let's dive into that a little bit more deeply. Why is that a weird thing to us for Jesus to be baptized?
1: Hmm. Well, it all depends on what you believe about him. Because if you believe he sinned or he, he had potential to sin, then mm-hmm. you say, well, it's because he needed to be baptized and hmm. he was absolved of sin. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't hear anybody in the Christian world saying that. We believe he's sinless. And so, um, you know, so that, that uh, brings us to the point then of. Um, I believe him identifying with us, you know, that he was, as I put it in my sermon, he was in a line of sinners uh, that were his descendants and all humanity. But then he was in line with sinners. Hmm. And therefore he was doing that to, to say, I'm with you, um, to fully come alongside um, and uh, answer the cry of every human that says, you know, what do I do with myself? I can't I can't save myself. And here he comes and says, you're not alone. I'm with you. And he didn't need it, but he modeled it. And that's why he asks us to do it when we believe. Sure. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm.
2: Ditto. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, because that was one of the things, one of the, one of the things I wanted to do is I wanted to, like I said, I don't know anyone personally that affirms that Jesus needed to repent of anything, but there are views like that out in the world. There are, I I came across a couple of, um, apologetics, uh, platforms from different faith traditions that were arguing that, no, yeah, this is and, but it kind of comes back to what's the position of the heart is the position of your heart that I need to keep distance from Jesus. And somehow in some way, in my own way of seeing the world that works for me, um, and so when we talk about baptism, honestly, it, it is this is just like what Jason talked about. It is the invitation. It is not a separate, like there's now I'm washed and so I can't touch you or anything, but more or less Jesus is like, I am being washed in the muddy waters that you are living in. And because I desire being that close and what better place to lead you from than out of the mud into uh, a better place. It is like just, it just really encapsulates the whole idea that God said, I'm not trying to lead you or call you from up here on high, but I'm going to come down and show you what it looks like. uh, And then follow me, do what I do. I think, you know, I was thinking this, this thought just came,
3: it's dangerous. It just came to my mind just now. So (laughs) bear with me. Um, It is interesting that, Nobody in the story goes what's baptism when John starts baptizing I mean, it was it was mm-hmm. obviously a common practice at that point because it identified people with something with a movement you know um, it was like an identification thing it's it's just interesting to me I, I feel like and'm part of this is just maybe my personality i'm always like I want to find the new thing that no one no one's ever thought of before that's mm-hmm. what I want to do but so much of Christianity is taking what's already been established and renewing it and so we see that in baptism, right? Baptism was already a um, a, a practiced thing, and it, it's, it's now given new meaning. Baptism now has new meaning, right? Uh, the the Jews already met in the synagogue; that they had they had the, the they, they met regularly. Well, now meeting with the church regularly for service, it's not a new idea. Uh, they were doing that for centuries, but now it's got a new meaning. And so, baptism to me kind of falls in that. It's a, it's it was a practice that people were familiar with. But now there's a new purpose and a new meaning, this baptism of repentance, this baptism of identifying with Christ now for us and with the church. Um, so that was just interesting as I was thinking through the cultural context of, of baptism. So,
0: Yeah, yeah. I No, I totally agree. And even, I, I can't remember if Jim and I have talked about this on the podcast before, but the history of baptism is <laughs> interesting is probably the best word mm-hmm. to use. Mm-hmm. Or, like, the most positive word, uh, scattered and strange, is, you know, are other words that you could use. But it was, you know, new meaning for sure and almost like different meaning. You know, I, I don't know. It could be because, you know, originally there were these ceremonial cleansings. But then, of course, you have the whole, you know, Gentiles becoming, if, if a Gentile wanted to come into the Jewish faith, they entered the waters of baptism. As a part of their you know, purification and all that sort of stuff which somebody who's more of an expert than me would have to explain but
3: it's interesting and, and I haven't again another dangerous dangerous thought <laughs> um, the word baptism means immersed mm-hmm. and to immerse and the church used that language for a long time the word baptism didn't come across it didn't come along the term baptism was, was formed in later translations mm. as we were translating it we created this verb. But when you simplify it to to immerse, you know, that that be immersed in in and then we think about bapt you know baptism of the Holy Spirit upon salvation, we're immersed in the spirit. Um, the immersion. So when you when you think of immersion, it it, it simplifies it for me at least. Yeah. Because then it's this this idea of you're being immersed, you're identifying with something through the, the act of immersion into the water. And and we've we've added this luster around the baptism word, but baptism itself, that um, baptizo, that, that word came later, you know, sure. and so it's an interesting, it, um, it really, baptizo means, um, baptism came later, baptizo means immerse, but the baptism word in the English w- was formed during, you know, yeah. the King James when we wanted to make it a verb.
0: We got tired of translating it, so we just instead of making an immersion, up, immersion, immersion, letters. we
3: just said let's make it a, let's make it an English word baptism, mm-hmm. and that became elevated so high the church elevated it then at that point because it became its own thing. It's, it's interesting.
2: So then, should would it be more appropriate to refer to him as John the e. Mercer? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the, pro- the, yeah, I mean, John Dunker,
3: little, I don't know something. John D. Dunker,
2: That's almost like a like a wrestler's name, the e. Mercer Yeah, the Mercer. That's, a, that's a specialty and move. We're in the corner.
0: <laughs> so okay, so here's here's another question I had: Is um, and maybe this is a dumb question, but is is the baptism that we receive when we come into Christ is that the same as Jesus's baptism? And let me rephrase the question before you answer. When we, when we look at Jesus getting baptized uh-huh. is, is a takeaway for us. Yeah. So let's follow Jesus in baptism. Like, are we, are we just, hmm. or, or, or is, is there something sort of unique happening with Jesus's baptism where, man, this is the son of God and he's inaugurating his ministry and he's, he's identifying with us. He's at, he's recapitulating the story of Israel, like all these sort of unique things that we don't do, um, you know, so, so another way to ask the question, is Jesus identifying with us? And then in response to that, we're supposed to identify with Jesus by following him? Or is there something kind of different going on with our with our baptism and with
2: subsequent baptisms? Where are you, do you guys have any thoughts on that? So I think when you look at how Luke goes into the baptism and how he talks about it, Luke always has the eye of always reminding you that humanity is present. But the whole thing, and so when the baptism happened, the way Luke describes it is that it's happening in the midst of a crowd. And like we talk, we kind of talked about it. When we see pictures, we often picture like Jesus and John off alone and a dove. But in Luke, makes sure that people know that there's people around here. And so this is this is this is what I think. I think that that there's not much of a difference because baptism. When we see it, it's a sign of attachment. It's a sign of belonging. Like, these are my people. This is who I belong to. This is the person I follow. These are the values that I am a part of. And that's the same thing that Jesus was doing in his inauguration. We are moving towards the kingdom. What is the kingdom? It's how I originally designed you to be. Like, it is the true form of what humanity is supposed to look like. I'm leading you there. And so when we are being baptized also... That is like the emulation, like we're following Jesus. He's the truly human one. He's showing us what that looks like. And so that is, so we're, in many ways, I think the way Luke is communicating that there is, there is a synonymous, like it, it, one and the same kind of thing.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because some people uh, distinguish between John's baptism, well, and it's in scripture. Um, remember when Paul was traveling Mm-hmm. And he came upon the people and they had only received John's baptism. Yeah. You know yeah. And yep. and they're like, what you got, you do need to catch up. And so then they got the <laughs> baptism of the Holy spirit. So then they, they got tongues and, and went crazy and started telling people about Jesus. Right. And so I thought that's interesting that there was kind of a distinguished distinction in the, in the early church between the baptism of John baptism of Jesus. Um, and, but kind of, I, and this is just me as I look at it, when something different happened, obviously, when Jesus hit the water, and John testifies to it in the book of John, that he had been baptizing. The reason he was baptizing was to reveal the one. And he didn't know who it was. This is John's <laughs> own words. He's like, I didn't know who it was. And then, boom, what, what the heck? It's my homie. It's, it's, you know, it's my cousin. And, so, and, and God told him the sign would be that, that exactly what would happen happened, that a dove would come down and alight him you know, in the form of the Holy Spirit. And so that was John's testimony. And so it was a different baptism. But what I see us following Jesus in is almost kind of a combination of both. It's, and that's why Jesus said, baptize him in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's the resemblance of Jesus's baptism. But then there's also got to be a baptism of repentance prior to us then identifying with Jesus or else it don't work. And, uh, but then I think there's one more baptism. And that's the conversation Jesus had with his disciples john and uh james when they're like hey man can we sit on either side of you and he's like are you ready are you willing to to be baptized with the baptism i'm going to be baptized with Hmm. and that's future forward and they're like huh they probably thought back to maybe the stories but that was a baptism of suffering Hmm. and so that's the one i think the church is least liking and least willing to acknowledge Yeah, we like the baptism of repentance and the baptism of all the you know the light show with the Holy Spirit and everything and God speaking to us, but what about that baptism? Mm. And I believe
0: Jesus calls us to all of it. It's all one. Yeah, yeah. And you brought you brought up another point, Jason, that I want <clears throat> to I want to touch on, which is uh, the the Holy Spirit descending visibly and the Father speaking audibly. Were those signs? for who so here's the question who were those signs for were those signs for for jesus were they signs for john the baptist were they signs for the crowd around jesus and i i don't know that there's one right answer to this question and so i'm going to rephrase again in what sense were the signs you know for jesus for john or for the crowd what do you guys think about that like what what's the what's the point of what's going on there well, I will read to you
1: the account in John. Um, yes. Yeah. And I think this is significant because to answer that question, you can know for certainty that one one part of it was exactly for John. After John gets done saying in, in chapter 1 of John, uh, the book of John, uh, verse 29, he goes into and points out Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And he says, he's the one I was talking about when I said, a man is coming f- after me who's far greater than I. He existed long before me. There's that kind of tip in the hat to the to the Trinity. I didn't recognize him as a messiah. Uh, we just you know had fun and kicked at his kids, right <laughs> but, um, but I've been baptizing with I have been baptizing with water so that he might be revealed to Israel. and then he testifies about what he saw, the Holy Spirit and all that, and he says, "I didn't know he was the one. He says it's second time, but when God sent me to baptize with water, he told me. The one on whom you see the Spirit descend and rest is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I saw this happen to Jesus. I testify that he's the chosen one of God. Mm, so yeah. definitely, it was for John to be not only the one foretelling that the, the Messiah was coming, but to be definitive and, and absolutely sure this is the one, and to testify to it.
0: Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Absolutely. That's that's super helpful. I I agree totally with that. But and then. And also when we look at the readers, like these signs and the way that the gospel writers, they, they have an audience in mind. And like this is how are we going to record the events? How are we going to communicate to them what is actually going on uh, in many ways? And so these signs also form like this, there's this dual layer. There's the events that actually happen, but there's also the way the gospel writers are recording it, each in their own personality, their own style, all under the inspiration of the spirit. But at the same time, they're thinking, especially Luke, because he sets out the very beginning, like, I'm writing this for a purpose, for a reason. And so when they're filling in the details of these signs, they're, that's the way for the readers to be like, oh, okay, now I kind of see what's going on. Because that's one of the big questions. And I don't know if we're going to get to it later, but we have no way of knowing if, like with Luke's account, we have no way of knowing if the voice from God was audible to everyone or if it was just something to Jesus and only for him. Yeah.
0: Um, or at the very it, least, we might expect Luke to record like mayhem, rioting in the streets, exactly. you know, like some sort of response yeah.
2: to And at the same time, you think about from the crowd, if they just saw a dove, like how would they know that's the Holy spirit? It could just be like, Oh look, there's a dove. I have a sacrifice offering coming up. Who knows? I, you know, that's, but, but when Luke is telling the readers, he's like, by the way, keep this in mind. This is what you're seeing. This is what you're supposed to see as you keep continuing to follow the story. Mm, yeah. I'd say specifically
4: with the voice um again how We read God's word. Mm -hmm. And I've heard people argue, you know, we don't need to hear from God now because we have his word, which I find fascinating because in his word, God's always speaking to people. (laughs) Like (laughs) he doesn't say, go read a pamphlet. I'm talking to you. There's there's something inside of you again. and, And when we're looking at the life of Jesus, this is what it looks like when a human is filled with divinity, is filled with the right spirit. He's modeling something, what I'm supposed to hear. So no matter what, to me, the answer is. The author's recording it and we're reading it. And this is so many times, you know, God's word's teaching us this is what my voice sounds like in different situations, in different scenarios. It literally says in Hebrew, you know, in the past, He spoke through the prophets and whatnot, but in this time, He has spoken through His Son. So it's like, I'm going to be crystal clear through Jesus. I want you to get tuned in to what my voice sounds like through this man's life. And again, it's fascinating. The two times we hear it is this just love language and I'm proud of what you're doing. So I always key in on those that those are absolutely for us on some level too, as I've got a thousand voices in my head and we all do my own voice, your voice clay, or what that guy said down the street. what my dad said last Thursday, how do I tune into through all of those? What, what God is saying to me how he's responding to my life. So absolutely, you know, it's, it's all of it, but it's definitely for us as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. And that's actually another piece I wanted to pick up, which is, you know, I've read this passage multiple, you know, more than once before this last week. And I never, um, I never read about God's delight in his son and attributed that to myself in any like, I, I just never I, that's just it never was a thing for me <clears throat> and so so my question is it's like every time I read the passage before last week I interpreted it as something really unique that's happening with Jesus and, and the you know the, the point of the passage Luke is trying to demonstrate Jesus's divinity he's trying to show um that uh you know Jesus is the Messiah, and God wants that to be really clear. And so it's it was all unique. This is what it teaches us about. This is what this passage is teaching us about Jesus. I thought it was all about Jesus, mm-hmm. super unique to him, awesome. Thank you, Lord, for you know that you are the Son of God. Praise you, know, all that that sort of stuff. But and Jason, I, obviously, I, I don't know if you brought this out in, in your in your message, but I'm almost positive the the rest of you guys did that. There's a sense in which the God's words to Jesus can also be God's words to us or need also to be God's words to us. So Mm -hmm. can you, you know, pretend I pretend I'm still, you know, two weeks ago where I've only ever thought of this passage as being about how Jesus is unique. Walk me through how is it that God's words to his son can also be applied to me? That when God says to Jesus, this is my son whom I love in him, I'm well pleased. How can that also make sense for Clay, Wright, or For, for Oh else? man,
4: this is where I get geeked up because like you just articulated, <laughs> like we all live in this place where I'm blowing it. Of course, God wouldn't be delighted in me. I might have a couple things, but let's list the eight bajillion things he can see. And when you understand again, in these two phrases, it starts right at Jesus ministry. We hear it again. As a human, he's got to know everything I'm doing because he's quote-unquote failing all the time. Now, we know he's not, but he's failing. People are leaving. People are like, you're cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. You're demon-possessed. We don't want – this guy thinks – it would be so easy just to have God speak again and validate it. But it's this human guy going through it, and he has to keep going like all of us inside of ourselves – no, I know who I am. I, I know what he wants me to do, and I know that he's grateful and proud that I'm doing it. And the ironic part is through the life of Jesus and even this baptism we've received, we would tell people, you're, you're cleansed of your sins. He'll remember your sins no more. And we think that God's uh, an old man on a throne somewhere, throwing thunderbolts. We can't it, – it's, it's an oxymoron. Can, does God remember my sins? Are they as far as the East is from the West? Or is it like a, a trick like yeah. to say like I'm ho- Ephesians one, that's why it's so important to me. I I start discipleship there, I take guys there all the time. Like I don't know how I can be living this life and blowing it. And God see me as holy, blameless, set apart, chosen. But that's what again, that's his voice. That's what he says. So if that's Amen. all he can see, he's absolutely I'm his boy, he loves me. He's proud of me. Yeah, but there's no yeah, buts. Like, that's, again, if the kingdom has come and there's no sin in heaven and God's sitting in his kingdom and that's how he's ruling and seeing, I have to choose not what my heart tells me, but what my father says about me. And so that's absolutely how he sees me. Mm. And to live from that place versus living from the place of, like, oh my gosh. I screwed up again, blew it again Let me try to drag myself around Versus like, okay, that happened But for some reason, God can't even remember that right now Mm -hmm. He doesn't even know what I'm talking about He's like, son I paid a high price for you to go live today and I'm proud of you. Get up, let's go. And that changed so much for me and the people I've seen with depression and anxiety and this self flagellation. Even this time of year, there's people that will like take it as a badge of honor to really, really, really think about every bad thing you've done. And on some level that can be healthy, but what's healthier is for me to say but, man, look at the high price he paid. So that's I right. don't have to think about that. I don't have to live there. Mm-hmm. He has chosen me. So to me, that phrase, that's why if, if Jesus can live from that place of power, I can live from that place of power. Yeah. And that's we we struggle with Jesus humanity. What we struggle with. Is the divinity inside of us. We'll say things like Christ in me, the hope of glory. I'm crucified with Christ. I no longer live. Christ lives in me. Which is it? So if it's true for Jesus and he's living in me, giddy up. I'm going to take it and I'm going to believe it and let Mm. that move and that manifest versus, well, but you know it's John. So that's huge to me. Mm. I have to repeat it like a mantra all the time. It's not what I've done, not what I know what I was seeing. It's what he said, what he did, and it's in me, and I'm going to say it and believe Mm. it
0: good rant so, done dude yeah yeah Galat- I, good you, no you go
3: yeah galatians two twenty. man i agree with you that's for me that's you know i've been crucified with christ i no longer live what does that literally mean we died with christ and he he left us there and then when he rose his identity became our identity and that changes everything um i was also it was also a good study thing for me to think about like how I often think, you know, Jesus died for all sin and God applies our sin, but he has to, every time I sin, he has to go back to the cross and reapply that. He has to go back and reapply it. And it's like, I know God says, he's okay. I know God says that he doesn't think, but like he has to keep remembering my sin because he has to bring it back to Jesus and apply it to the cross and keep applying it to the cross. I was just reminded as I was studying, like God literally took all of sin all at once. And at the moment of the cross applied it all. On Christ, that punishment that was due, that that wrath that was coming, He literally took it all and laid it on the cross, mm. and therefore, all sin, like that, the, it, it's it's just all at once. God, at one moment of of, of God's knowing and, and and acting, outside of time and space, He takes and He sets all of our sin on the cross. That's just it was so freeing for me to remember that, because now it's there's total freedom, and and there's nothing. A thousand years from now, the worst things that mankind could possibly do that I could do for the rest of my life. There's nothing that hasn't already at that one moment been laid upon Jesus. And he's like, I, you know, God said, I I lay this at, at, at the cross and, and that don't weaken the cross, right? Don't weaken the cross's power in our own life. And that was huge. That was just huge for me as I was processing it and uh, thinking through now our identity. Like you said, John, it's just like, man— yeah. Quit, quit, quit pretending the cross isn't enough. You know, quit, quit thinking I'm, I'm so bad or I'm so powerful. Or I'm so mighty that I have to try to earn my way. What well, Christ has already done. You know, it's, it's just a waste of energy. It's mm-hmm. just a waste of oh, energy. Yeah.
4: I remember my, one of my mentors saying every, every time we do that, cause I would kind of look at this like, you know, like 90 day waiting period after I messed up again. And yeah. he's like, man, he said, that's like walking up to the cross and just spitting on it. Like, well, you paid for all those, but this one clearly doesn't count or these times didn't count. And it's almost a harder discipline to just accept it and believe it and say, okay. Yeah. And that that was the switch for me getting even into ministry is like, I didn't spend these days on my knees and there's repentance. But the repentance was to get up and go do my job then, which is to be a vessel where the spirit of Christ lives mm-hmm. and go love people versus like, well, but, you know, and God's probably mad at me right now. What's the point? Why can't I talk to Jason when I did Did it? I can talk to him and do this because Jesus paid the ultimate price. So yeah. I can go do that today. You know, so, yeah,
3: yeah. yeah. You know, and another thing uh, is interesting is that I think Satan and our flesh and the, you know, the, 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 demonic realm, all the enemies of God, all, the, all those things that are the enemies of God, the strategy shifts. The first strategy is don't believe that the cross is enough. Don't believe in the cross. Mm. But then when, once we're saved, it, it truly shifts to that um, bringing doubts that I have to keep going back to say, mm. oh, please forgive me. for the, Like I'm not saying forg- we need to have a, a heart of forgiveness always, but I'm saying we keep going back that maybe the cross was enough that time. I need to go reaffirm that the cross was enough. I need to go back to that Instead of, you know, we went from unbelief to now we believe, but we doubt it. We doubt the actual power of the cross. And so it it, it just shifts. And, um, yeah, I the analogy I used in my mes- message was like we, we treat it like a coach, like, uh, the op- like open <laughs> gyms. You know, I was thinking about basketball. And I kind of talked about how when you go to open gyms before the basketball season, you're always watching like any good play. Like, Coach, you watch. Did you see that? Did you see that good play? And anytime we do a bad play, like, Coach, I hope you hope you didn't see that one. Right. Mm -hmm. we constantly have this look over our shoulder mentality. Like hope my coach is watching. And that's how we, that's how we fall into this trap of God. Like, you see that good thing I did. I hope you are watching. Hey, I hope you weren't watching when I did that thing. And, and he, God's like, listen, I I love, I love you because of Jesus. Like, and, and there's, there's freedom in that, you know? And, and and one thing I said, last thing, last thing, one thing I said in my message too, is that like so often preachers, I've heard this so many times, preachers will say this compelling truth about focusing on God's grace, focusing on how our new identity in Christ. And then but then they always tack on the end, but you know, we got to be doing spiritual disciplines. We got to be like and and those are that's true, but we what we miss the beauty of let's just sit for a minute in the fact that God is fully pleased in you and and nothing you can do can change that. And people are like, "Well, if you say that, then people aren't going to live for God." And, okay, I, I get that there's a bigger thing at play, but let's not move past that too quickly. Let's sit in that for a minute and, mm-hmm. and just revel in that truth. You know? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. What struck me was just in that is the the absolute presence of God in mm-hmm. our lives. Yeah. That we, we so doubt and diminish and that even in Jesus's life, when he said, I'm well pleased with you and I love you, that, that Agapeto was the, you know, that, that unconditional love. I mean, that's huge. Mm-hmm. And that spoke of, of course, what was coming, you know, he, he's, he doesn't love him because of that. He just loves him in the moment. But I believe God, of course, was there his whole life up to that point. And that union and communion he had with God was something that he cherished and was beautiful. Hmm. And, and, and God loves us with that unconditional love. I mean, it's all over the Old Testament. I mean, I think of Jonah, you know, God arguing with Jonah saying, you know, up on the hillside, dude, you care more about that plant that just died than <laughs> all these people These children Mm. that don't know their right hand from their left, Mm. you know, they're more important to me, you Mm -hmm. know. And those were pagan people that weren't even Jewish. God looks at every person with that same affection as He did on Christ and on us. He loves us so much. So, yeah.
0: And for some reason, for me, the thing that was so impactful as I was relearning this text is that. It's, it's one thing, f- I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult thing for me to um, accept God's love for me. But for some reason, it's an even more difficult thing to accept his pleasure in me, like his delight in me. And I love how in the English, it doesn't say, it, it doesn't just say, this is my son whom I love. Which, for some reason, we tend to translate, or we, we tend to understand that. Like as, as a dutiful thing, like oh yeah, of course you you know of course you love that person. Well, because you're you're that person's mom or you're that person's dad or you know whatever it would be. Um, but that God who, um, who who can't lie and who is you know the the king of the universe doesn't just love his children, but he's pleased with his children. Hmm. Um, because I can like even in myself I can understand a little bit you know I can look at the cross it can be like this is a demonstration of god's commitment to me of his love for me but um I think there's a step further yet beyond that that God wasn't just willing to die for me he he actually wants to live with me and hmm. he wants to he wants me to live with him because hmm. in in a way you know it's even like there's that line in the song, um, what a beautiful name. It says, you didn't want heaven without us. So Jesus, you brought heaven down. That's like the, the line that churches like are like, oh, can we still do the song if it says that? <laughs> because it's, <laughs> it feels scandalous. It feels scandalous. And uh, um, yeah, I, uh, I, I wrestle with that a ton. And um, Jordan, you look like you're about to say something.
2: Well, I mean that's that, but that is. I'm going to make the argument that wrestling is the point,
0: mm-hmm.
2: because I mean that that's that's God's people, Israel, the people who wrestle with God. That's their identity that God bestowed upon them, and, and and us as the church too. We continue with that because, like, when you think about it, a lot of like when you say like. But even going back to the whole fully God, fully human account, let's say, where do we find the balance? And the balance is always tilting and it's always moving. It's never quite settled as we would like it to be because the reality is there are some church traditions that really emphasize the divinity of God. And as the, uh, the result, they passively downplay the humanity or some, and, and kind of vice versa and stuff like that. And so, the wrestling when we so the whole idea that I love about not having to have an answer about the fully God, fully divine is that it keeps you from being so stagnant so still that that you never learn anything else mm-hmm. um, and, and so for. Mm-hmm. Because like, well, that's uncomfortable and stuff. So we need to exemplify, you know, kind of coming from our own discomfort about ourselves. And so we exemplify and glorify God even more. And then it becomes a distraction from what's actually going on. But what God is continually trying to bring us back to is that I am here with you and we're going to start from there. And it's one of those things that I love when modern science agrees with the Bible, because one of the things we close with in, within addiction recovery, within developmental psychology, within child family dynamics, the number one thing that they always talk about as the starting point is that people need to know that they are invited to exist as they are in the presence of another person. And, and you know, when I, and I, I I rolled that into the scriptures like we get that from God because that's exactly what He did with Jesus. That's what Jesus does to us, is that no matter what, we begin with as you are, messy, busted, you know, stubborn, prideful, you know, all the all the all that in there. No matter what, I am with you, hmm. and that's where we begin. Hmm. And that's where the wrestling starts. But it has to be in that idea that which is just so difficult for us to sit into because we are human still. (laughs) You know, the, the, you know, the redemption's not quite complete within our own lives, but we're moving in a direction. I I love that.
1: that, It makes me think of, I think it was the apostles on the missionary journey saying we are servants of the living God Yeah, and how our God, the beautiful thing, he's not a God of wooden stone that we can, make you know very clear boundaries but he's living like us Hmm. therefore he's unpredictable and we can't always figure him out going back to that whole idea of you know the mystery of god which is a beautiful Mm -hmm. thing and it's because he's alive Mm -hmm. which is good
2: news yeah (laughs) good which is why context is so important we have scripture in context but like i said if you can reread scripture because your context is changing as you're going through life you're going to go back to scriptures and you're going to read it differently Not because you're off base or you're apostate or whatever, but because your life is different because it's active and moving, which is one of the great things about Scripture. When you go back to, we talked about the idea of Easter eggs in there, is by carefully reading, like going through the different baptism accounts, you know, being like, okay, let's get all the information just from Luke and just see what it says and all the information, you know, you're going to see new things because God is working within you. Your context is changing. It is, is exactly right. We are always moving, which when we come to beliefs um, and the creeds and all that, what often gets translated is this never moves. And there's, a, there's truth to that. There are some things that don't change. We talk about the, you know, the, the, the primary doctrines, but the reality is there's a lot more movement than we're aware of
0: yeah yeah and of course by easter eggs you don't mean the you know <laughs> right yes we're not talking about yeah. you the mean colorful <laughs> eggs yeah of, what? of the easter
2: holiday and bringing it
1: back to the baptism that's exactly what jesus was doing when he stepped in those waters he was moving with us mm. he was coming alongside of us yeah when they were being baptized jesus too was baptized so the living god was was moving in the water where man had been seeking God. Mm. And I love that.
0: So, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, as we kind of come to the end of our time, there's one last question that I'd love you guys all to weigh in on. And, and that's just, you know, this is not just any other Wednesday, you know, this is the Wednesday of Holy week. And, uh, we're, hopefully gonna release this podcast on Thursday. So people may be listening to it on Thursday, getting ready for Good Friday, getting ready for Easter Sunday. Um, so in light of Jesus's identification with us and all these just all, all these themes that we've been talking about, um, what's like your last you know what's what's the what's the last thought you would want people to take with them into Good Friday and into celebrating Easter? From this conversation, like a, as a pastor, as you as you consider the people that you minister to, in your context, yeah. what, what's the what's the meditation or what's the one thing? Um, and I know there's probably more than one, uh, but I, I I just want to give all of us an opportunity to um to speak into that moment. I'll throw mine out there first, sure. And and that is again something that came on
1: Sunday. Uh, was of course Sunday the sermon we g- gave was on Palm Sunday, mm-hmm. and so this dividing line of jesus 's baptism in his life and his past present and future he had again when he was alighting that colt of a donkey and uh and going into the city. It was another mm-hmm. line, yeah, because in this moment everything 's going to change when he walk when he rides that animal into the city everything 's going to change, and so Um, I just see that we have several lines in our life where we have a present, things are going on, context, where we could bail. But there's a past to draw from of God's faithfulness. And we need to look at him and listen to his voice and move into the future, you know, uh, trusting him. And it's exactly what Jesus did. He had another line the night before the cross in the Garden of Gethsemane, Friday. And there he was. And he, he could have given up. But he crossed over that line. He went there because he knew they were going to come and get him there. And so he could have run, but he crossed over that line. And so we also, too, have these lines. And so notice the lines that Jesus crosses this weekend and how he he never stopped. He never stopped with his eyes on the Father, quoting Scripture, preaching sermons on the way to the cross, talking to the women by the side of the road, forgiving people from the cross, quoting Psalms from the cross committing himself to the father's hands from the cross. He had all these lines he could have crossed and, and, and given up, but he never did. So mm. that's my thought.
4: Yeah. Love it. I would say, you know, for me, something I've just noticed, I think we can all Christmas, Easter, good Friday. We can get wrapped up in, um, how someone tells us we're supposed to feel. Uh, mm. I, I have to chuckle at the people that they literally think like Jesus rises Easter Sunday. Like they're going to wait. Like I'm not allowed to enjoy Jesus until Sunday. And I just encourage people again. He paid a high price to be alive today. I mean, you can minister to people on Good Friday. You can walk in there and be the most alive person in the room. We we have this tendency – So many times to make these holy days actually about ourselves Mm -hmm. and, and again, how we're feeling. Mm -hmm. And I'm watching Jesus at the last supper, ministering to his guys. I'm excited to be here with you boys. It's, it's an intense moment, but it's not, let me just dive into the John Jacobs cave and think about me, which is important on some level, but we serve a living God. And I th- I think there's so many times and I'm preaching to the choir here that we're just not awake to like, Jesus, how do you want me to celebrate? You know Today, you know, Wednesday or Thursday, if they're listening to it, how do, what do you want me to do for Good Friday? How do you want me to feel? We can almost exclude him from the So let Jesus be alive. He, he's alive. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to wait till Sunday. He's alive. Man, Jesus, what are you trying to teach me through these stories? Jesus, how are you reflecting these things in my life, man? How can I share with people this good news? So that would be my thing. Celebrate these days with Jesus, not yeah. just wow. remembering him. He's right here.
0: hmm that's awesome. Thank mm-hmm. you. Um,
3: <clears throat> for me, in the, I think um, a tidbit that stood out to me as I'm thinking about this week is Jesus, this, we see the start of his ministry, but his ministry continues. Um, I think of Hebrews, Hebrews 4, where he's intercede for us. He's, mm-hmm. out, he's constantly interceding for us. Um, he, you know, the throne of grace where we can go with confidence and, um, that, that's so tied up in our new identity in him and, and he didn't stop his ministry. You know, he's continuing to this day on our behalf. And that's, that gives us real freedom, real freedom in how we live and how we view the cross, how we view the resurrection, how we view this week, because it, it truly establishes, um, Christ's ministry. For us today, and that's that's just hugely impactful for me in my life. That no matter what, God's there, Christ is there on the throne, saying, "I'm I'm the high priest, and I'm welcoming you with open arms." And um, you can have full confidence in that because of what I did. And that's 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 priceless for me.
2: Mm. Yeah. yeah. I have no idea. <laughs> much can be said so well I mean you are my child and in you I take great delight Mm -hmm. if we can somehow incorporate that into our present conscious mind all the time this is what God is communicating this this is what Easter all this is all this leading up to you are my child and you I take great delight Mm -hmm. let's journey together. And I will show you what life is supposed to be like. Mm. It's good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much. You guys, this is, this is really great. I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for every one of you guys and and the ministry that you have and, and the fact that God has called you here. Uh, and, uh, I love, I love working alongside you guys. And, uh, I'm, I, I, I tell Jim sometimes after we stop recording, I'm jealous for our church to have you guys speaking into our minds and like to just, just even it's so help, healthy for me uh, to, to hear other guys and gals getting able, you know, being able to speak God's words to me because it helps to become more real. So thank you. Thank, thank you. you uh, bro. Yeah.
1: Thanks,
0: All right. Um, well with that on a somber note, I guess, oh, it's not somber. It's really happy. I mean, it's really beautiful. You know, mm-hmm. the delight of God in us. Mm. But um, with that, we'll we'll uh, sign off for now. Um, I do want to give one parting uh, endorsement, which is that if you are a person who enjoys conversations and who enjoys asking life's deepest questions, which we got we got pretty close in this podcast, <laughs> um, then it's possible that Alpha is for you, or that uh, you need to be in Alpha for someone else. So Alpha is a place where we it's kind of like this podcast. It's all about conversations. It's all about inviting people to talk about Jesus and to talk about where they're at with Jesus. And so if that interests you, it is not too late to uh, text clay, Wright Or email me and, and get involved. And it's certainly not too late to invite somebody who needs to know about Mm -hmm. Jesus. So uh, that's my final encouragement just on the note of conversation, but uh, without further ado, we'll continue it next week. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of the Open Door Cutting Room Floor Podcast. But don't let the conversation end here. Find a group where you can deepen your roots at connect.opendoor.tv. And don't forget to submit your questions to podcast.opendoor.tv. Have a great week, and we'll see you Sunday.